Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. For the fourth time now, I am honored to talk with Calden and Monique Charles. In previous episodes, they shared their personal testimonies of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. In our most recent episode of Weekly Interview here on Sound of Truth podcast, we talked about the subject of evangelism. Now, in this final session we have together with this charming couple, we are going to talk about how God has worked to deliver Calden from an addiction. Now, I do want to give a caution here to our listeners that the material that we're going to talk about in this particular episode might not be suitable for some of the younger audiences. So if you have children in the room, smaller children in the room, this might be a time you want to pause this and come back at, it at another time. But we do want to give that warning because we're going to talk about a sensitive subject, and that is the subject of pornography. Calden, would you go ahead and share with us this story in your life? Thank you very much, Pastor Brett. So I got addicted to pornography at age 13 in high school, exposure to magazines, and it piqued my interest, which was Curious Stage. And then from Curious Stage, uh, you want to explore some more. So uh, Now this is prior to really internet access. Yes, yes. You and I are old enough that... <laughs> When we were growing up, it was harder to access pornography. Yes. Yeah, it's very, very hard. So Sadly, for our culture today, it is not a hard thing to access. But, but Satan was still able to get this in front of you. Yeah, yeah. So the magazine was, was the gateway to my heart. And when I saw those images, it, it stirred something in me. Like, I wanted to see this more. This was interesting. And I did feel unusual in my, in my body. And then from there on, it was the VHS tapes, video cassettes. Mm. And what would happen was that I had some friends who owned a video club and, you know, they worked there. So it was easy for me to get, to get access. Uh, but normally I would either send someone or they would put it in a bag because some of the folks who were working there know my parents. Yeah, that's part of the story, perhaps, some of our <laughs> listeners. If they did not hear your testimony, you were a PK, a, yes, preacher's, a, PK, yes. a preacher's kid. <laughs> exactly. And this was harder to access and keep secret than, like I said, today it would be easier for, for young people to do. But So, yeah, so you had to hide this. Yeah, I, I hide it all through my uh, teenage years, uh, even to the point when I became a, a youth pastor and youth president at my dad's church. I was struggling with it. Um, it was deeply ingrained in me. Um, I was a solid addict. And this is what I would do. I would talk to the young people about the dangers of pornography. And five, ten minutes after, I'm indulging in the very thing that I spoke about. And kept that as a secret all the way into the marriage. So you have... In your testimony a couple of episodes ago, you shared that you came to true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ at 17 years old. 17. At that moment of conversion, I'm, I'm sure because your heart was really surrendered to the Lord, 
you were like, I'm done with this. Yep. I, I, I'm not going to do this. Did you have a, a, a period of a week or two or something like that where you were walking in holiness, but then you slipped up again and like, oh no, and then got back into it gradually again? Or how strong was that addiction? We know that for some people that came to f- come to faith in Christ immediately when they become saved, uh, your testimony, Monique, about mm-hmm. complete distaste and walking away from mm-hmm. ca- what you call the carnival, mm-hmm. which is a term when I was familiar with here in terms of what the way you were describing it. And that, this way it is for some people, but in most cases, for most of us, when we become a Christian, God doesn't necessarily break free all the sinful habits and patterns that are in our minds and and bodies, right? Yes, that's correct. And so, that was the case for you with the pornography, I'm assuming? Exactly. It wasn't a radical shift or change in my heart. It was a struggle. Mm-hmm. So the struggle got me to the point of being suicidal because I could not take this anymore. God, please deliver me from this. I went to the extreme of just removing these emotions because I can't handle them. Remove this feeling. So I tried to commit suicide twice. Really? Yeah. Were you glad you failed? I would describe the failure as worldly sorrow. Mm-hmm. Meaning in the moment, I'm sorrowful, but then I go right back. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not genuine. You feel sorry in the moment, but there is this pull towards pornography, this addiction that was just so overpowering. So, I, and I apologize, I, I think I missed... I didn't say the question in a way, frame it correctly, but were you glad that you failed the suicide attempts? Oh, yeah. I felt like people were praying for me mm-hmm. because at that point, it's just a matter of slitting my throat because I couldn't get the upper hand of this force, as I would describe it, that was pulling me constantly to images and screens. And, and I was completely trenched in this drug. I, yeah. I would describe it like that. And and I didn't know this part of your story in terms of the suicide attempts when we entered into this conversation. So I do I do want to camp out just a little bit on that because it, it's such a real struggle for some people. I'm not talking about the pornography necessarily. Right. I'm talking about the temptation to take their own life, right. which is very real for me in a sense because I had a friend take his own life uh, a year and a half ago, a pastor friend. And I remember seeing a documentary several years ago of interviewing survivors of Golden Gate Bridge jumps. These people had attempted suicide by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, and most people succeed. It's a, it's a fatal thing to do in vast majority of cases, but there were, I think at the time, three or four people who actually survived that jump, and every single one of them said the moment after they jumped, they regretted it all the way down, were crying out and wishing they hadn't done it. And I don't know that's part of the reason why God answered their prayer and they survived, whereas maybe others, but it's fascinating. The, the survivors of suicide attempts it's fairly well known they are happy they survived. Right. Which to me, I, I just, I want to get this point out there. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And, and maybe it is a chronic ongoing problem. They say, well, that's not temporary for me. I'll have to live this the rest of my life, this problem. That's why I'm trying to escape it, right? Yeah. But a lot of people who attempt it, when, when they do survive, they're, they're grateful. Yeah. And so this is a plea for anyone out there that might be struggling with suicidal thoughts. Do whatever it takes to find help. Okay, so back to your struggle. You, you failed your, thank the Lord, you failed your attempts at suicide. Right. But you're in this battle that you feel like you're losing and you cannot overcome this addiction and you feel horrible. The guilt is... It's enormous. Yes. And overwhelming because I began to say to myself, you're a hypocrite. You are talking about sex and the dangers of it 
as it relates to young people and don't get involved. You're telling them to avoid pornography, but the very thing that you're talking about and preaching is the very thing you're indulging. And there are moments where this Saturday night I'm watching pornography and I have to preach a Sunday. And it was just so depressing that I said, I will never get the victory over this. I'm done with this. This thing has a control over my life and I ain't going to fight it. I'm just going to let it be. Okay, Monique, let's bring you into this part of the story. Did you know he had this problem when you married him? No. So you were successfully hiding it from her? Yes. Had you shared it with anyone? Did you have an accountability partner, a best friend, or anyone that you went and said, I need help, I'm in trouble here? No one. The shame was so great and the fear was so great of what that would... Yes. Yeah. Because I realized that if I talk about this, I'll have to step back from ministry. Mm. If I talk about this, my wife is going to leave me. If I talk about this, the image that I portrayed in front of these young people would then be like, oh, he's a waste of time. So secrecy was my best friend. It was self-preservation. Yes. And self-preservation was also part of the bondage and the addiction. Yeah, serious bondage. And I would describe it as something else was controlling me. When I look back, the actions and things that I did, something else was controlling me. And mm-hmm. it got so far where I created a lot of fake uh, social media profiles. At the time, it was called High Five or Tag. So it's, it's similar to like Facebook, but back then it was these social media sites. So I just created fake profiles posing as a woman. As a woman? Yeah. And soliciting images and everything from, from other women. Okay. That's how far, maxing out debit card, everything. Mm. Did you reach a point that the imagery was not satisfactory enough and you were tempted to go physically find ways of engaging in the behavior? Yeah. Okay. So there was one encounter, didn't plan for it, but it came up with with a young lady uh, who was part of a church. She was a worship leader and I had gone to their church and she was watching me all the time. I didn't know that. And I went into town to pick up the young people. When you say she was watching you all the time. So I went to their church and... Because I do a lot of stuff, creative stuff for churches, drama and everything. She was watching me, admiring me all the time. She admired so, you, yeah. Yeah, and I never knew that. She confessed and told me that. And Were I you was, married at the time? Married at the yeah. time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> married at the time, and I was like, okay, that, that's fine. Didn't pay it any mind. And then I, one day I was going into town, pick up some of the young people, because they had gone to do some shopping. It was around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And the young lady was standing at the side of the road, and she said she wanted to go home. So I turned around my car and picked her up, headed to her house, and the conversation switched. It was just, it was filled with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't godly, gotcha. we're putting it that way. Yeah. To the point where she said, this is the moment that I want to have you. Long, that young lady stripped in her car, and I said, I can't do this because my wife is at home, and I felt bad. So I told her to put on back her clothes and then I drove all the way left her and then drove and then I broke down and I cried. Monique is at home sleeping and went and stand over the bed and touched her. And I said, I, I got something to tell you. She said, what? I said, well, you know, I went to pick up the young people and I didn't. Something happened. And I explained to her. I said, look, I almost got myself in trouble. Almost committed physical adultery. But the reality is I was committing adultery of the heart in a marriage by looking at pornography. And I said, I just have one thing to tell you. I want out the marriage. 
I'm a messed up young man. I'm a phony. I'm a fake. You are a wonderful woman. Go and seek a nice husband who loves the Lord and has a heart for God because this kid, he ain't getting no victory. That's, that's the depth I went to describe the condition of my heart. I said, I've kept this a secret. I said, I've read over and over in Matthew that if you lost after a woman, you commit adultery in your heart. I said, I've, I've been doing that. I've committed adultery in my heart so many times. I'm an unfaithful husband. You deserve somebody better. And you know what happened? She got up from the bed and she held my hand and she said, let me tell you something. When we walked on this aisle, I said, for better or for worse, and I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this together. Wow. That was the breaking point. Knelt at the bed, and then I sought counseling from Focus on the Family. That was the road to, to recovery because my wife refused to give up on me, and, and she believed that God could change my life around. And so I did the counseling at Focus on, on the Family, and, and then it was biblical counseling, I must say that, because then it was scriptures and prayer and just renewing my mind as Romans 12 talked talks about you know daily renewing my mind because pastor brett i tried everything to get rid of pornography everything from a physical willpower standpoint it ain't working mm. and i realized supernaturally there's only the spirit of god that could break the desires yes you know as colossians 3 talks about set your affections and things above galatians 5 talks about the 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 works of the flesh, sexual immorality, all of these things. But it also talks about if you're led by the Spirit, if you're walking in step with the Spirit, this is what the Spirit is going to produce, you know, joy and peace. So I start to allow the Word of God to flood my mind and to push those thoughts and those inclinations out. Of course, there were some physical things I had to do. Delete from my phone numbers. There's certain shows I don't watch just to avoid those triggers. Mm -hmm. But again, that comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who gives you a distaste for these things. So no amount of willpower and 10 steps is going to help you over pornography. From my experience, spirit-empowered living. So I don't have any desire. I don't have any taste. Are there temptations? Yes, but the, the temptations are not like what I used to experience before. I throw my hands up in the air and like, oh, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I'm always going back to scripture to set my mind on things above, my heart on things above. I'm going back to like Romans 12.1. I'm presenting my bodies as a living sacrifice, sacrifice. holy and acceptable. Yes. There is something supernatural when the word of God begins to purify your mind. Amen to that. Monique, you're laying there. Were you asleep when he arrived home? Yes, I was sleeping, but when he went to pick up the young people, I was praying. I was just praying for my husband. And I will encourage husband and wife. When your wife leaves the house, pray for them. When your husband leaves the house, pray for them because you never know what they will encounter. Mm -hmm. That is... Now you had no suspicion. No. You had no clue. No clue at all. So when you, when, when he comes home, he awakens you and starts pouring his heart out. What, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? That, that when he was saying that he wants out of the marriage, my mind just go back to our wedding vows that we made at the altar. Mm -hmm. And that to know that all things are possible with God. God, God can change anyone as long as we, we put that thing inside of God's hands. And yeah, that is what I focus on and sticking by his side. 
It seems, I mean, that seems like a miracle to, to probably most people. The immediate reaction would be shock, being crushed, and you would have been fully justified to be crushed and to say, I need a break. Yes. <laughs> I need to go to my mom. Mm-hmm. I need to, if you'd have packed your suitcase and said, I've got to head over to my parents. <laughs> right? That is true for some people. I think for most yeah, people, yeah. most ladies. People react differently. And, and, and maybe would have come around to where you yeah. were, but it, it is amazing. Yeah. And I think borderline miracle that you immediately mm-hmm. had almost like a strength and peace about you to say, no, this is, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, that, that wedding vows just flash in front of my face mm. when Carlin was speaking. Wow. Yes. Praise God for that. And the beautiful thing about that is when I opened up in the church, because I had to take a step back from ministry and understand the, the process of restoration, mm-hmm. the other guys started coming out that they were struggling. Ah, and I yeah. never knew. Yeah. Which brings me to now turn our atten- attention to our audience. Recognizing that there may be some men and some women possibly mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yes. Statistically, men struggle with this more than women, but sometimes we forget that some women do struggle with this. But if anyone is struggling with pornography, there is hope and there is help available. Amen. First and foremost, the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing him personally, that, that's the starting point, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But Christians who know Jesus get caught up in this sin and become in bondage to this sin, and they can be set free but it's going to require them seeking help. There may be some testimonies out there, but I don't know of any where someone was rescued, set free from the bondage of pornography, sexual addiction, secretly. I don't know of anyone that has a testimony. It's always they come out to someone and share, or they get caught, one or the other. Yeah. In your case, you, you came and you said, I've got a problem. You came to your wife and you shared with her, and that was the pathway the, the start of the pathway to, to victory for you. For others, it's getting caught. Uh, on a previous episode, I interviewed Blaine Bartell, who's written a book on his story. He lost his family. He lost so much his ministry because of a, a stronghold of pornography in his life. And now the Lord's redeemed all that, but he got caught. I want to encourage anyone out there that is struggling with this to get help before getting caught. That's the better pathway. It could be that you've already been caught. It could be that you've lost a marriage or a family. It could be you've already been devastated and you say, there's no hope for me. There is hope for you. Reach out to someone. Contact a pastor. Contact Focus on the Family. Look that up on the internet. Focus on the Family. They're a great resource to help people. Find help. We would love to help you any way we can. There's hope and there's help for those who are struggling with pornography. And today we were blessed to hear Calvin's testimony of how God rescued him and really saved his marriage. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Glory to God. Thank you for being so vulnerable to share your story and let God use this. Thank you for spending these last couple of hours with me recording four episodes. It's been a great joy. I appreciate our friendship and getting to know you all a little bit better. And uh, God's blessings to you. Thank you so much, Pastor Brett. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth Podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Mirani, 2022.